You're on the ground there in Louisiana. How bad is it? I think other than Katrina or Sandy, it's hard to put into perspective how much area down here was effective. You know, we're hearing the statistics about 60,000 or 80,000 homes, but local media is reporting maybe as many as 200,000 homes have been affected by the floods. Talk, just talk, because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk, welcome to the show. I've asked Chef Gary LeBlanc to join me. He's the founder and president of Mercy Chefs. He's on the ground there in the Louisiana area. I love his story. I love what this man is doing. And I want to tell you up front, he says he could have never imagined all that God would do through his work, which I love how he puts that out there. I think a lot of people didn't really pay attention to this tragedy, did they? No, they didn't. And that's been one of the other differences. I mean, with a hurricane, you know to prepare or you know to get out of town. With a flood of this magnitude, almost everybody that's had damage at their home lost their car. And so now they're down here with no way to get around. I mean, it, it just it, it has just been tragic to see to see the folks down here trying to deal with this. I mean, that, that's a dub, double hit. I mean, it's one thing if you're out of your home. It's another thing you can't even move around because your car now is underwater. I mean, imagine that, folks, and think about your own life. If you lost your home and you lost your car, your transportation, all in the same moment, in the same day. Uh, now, the one thing that people have to be blessed for is that if they have their life and their health, that's got to be the most important thing, Gary, yeah? Yeah, we hear that all all over and over and over again. I mean, the folks down here are hardy, um, but they're also very thankful to be alive. And, and most of them will tell you about somebody that was flooded worse than them or lost more than them. Uh, it, it just it's it's amazing to see the spirit of the people here. And that's a kind of a lot of the stories I'm hearing, Gary. And they they just uh, they, they really make you pause and they make you think. And, you know, I always say every day, brother, that it's important for all of us to wake up in the morning and have gratitude for whatever's going on that day. Just have gratitude and whatever the moment is and build on that and think positive. And that's that's really what it comes from. I mean, if you can do that, and then you can almost handle when these kinds of disasters happen in your life, that you can pause a moment and think about, you know, some of the more positive things that it's sometimes hard to do in a, in a bit of a disaster, yeah? It is. I mean, we've had two or three of the people that have worked with us all week as volunteers that lost everything. I mean, wow. they've lost everything. But they want to come out and work with us to bless other people. I mean, they've all said the same thing. What? What else am I going to do? I don't want to sit around and feel sorry for myself. So let me get to work and help my neighbors. Well, talking about blessing other people, your story and what you've done now, you, you've seen a lot of these disasters at this point because you, you've been doing this since, what is it, uh, 06, I read somewhere, is it 2006? 
2006, that's correct. All right, so you founded Mercy Chefs in 2006, and I want to talk about that in just a moment here, but you've seen a lot of these disasters, uh, Gary, around the country. You've been at this now for, well, for the last 10 years, so you've, you've had a decade on the ground dealing with this. You've, you've got to have pause at this moment. You talk about the New Orleans area and the New Orleans people uh, in the Louisiana area uh, there, uh, rather, uh, and you're in Baton Rouge, actually, right? That's correct. Yeah. So when you when you see that, and you've got to be reminded of the resiliency of really the American people. I mean, when you see these disasters one after the next, uh, and because you're always on the ground helping folks, and we'll talk about that again, uh, you've got to come a, away with. Um, I, I I'm just would imagine Gary having a renewed faith in people. Is that a fair assessment? It is. We. Um we see all the time the amazing things that happen over a shared meal and people always say you know you're just so wonderful to come and i just tell them look i've never come that that i didn't leave more blessed than when i got there it it is a tremendous privilege to see the spirit of the american people and how they just reach out to help each other and how they reach out to help people like us that do come down to do the work so right now, what is the game plan in Louisiana? Where are you at right now with things? And to give us an example of a, of a, of a regular day there. What happens in the, in the course of a day, if you will? Yeah, well, we arrived on scene here in Baton Rouge last Sunday uh, and began serving meals on Monday. In this week, we've served over 63,000 people, and we um, are, are planning to move in the next day or two to an area of greater need, which will probably be further south where the disaster sort of unfolds. This was like five disasters, but starting in the north and a day apart moving south. So we uh, have finished and we've served well where we are here in Baton Rouge, but we know there's a place of of great need still. So we're going to relocate and dig in and continue to do what we do. Well, and so that'll be just further south than where you're at now. Let's tell folks that what what you do is you sort of have, I don't know what you call it, but I'm going to call it for the moment here a mobile kitchen, if you will. You almost, I mean, what do you call that that you bring in? It is a mobile kitchen. We build a commercial kitchen that meets inspection grades all across the country and put wheels underneath it. We we don't take a trailer and throw some kitchen equipment in there. We we, we build a preferred professional uh, commercial kitchen you're listening to the america out loud talk radio network well it's where we say let the silent voices be heard you'll find a whole host of shows and a lineup of great content back at americaoutloud.com You began to walk down the line of cars, waiting for a meal to talk and pray with folks while they were waiting for their meal. And it says here you got to the fifth car and you had to stop. Your spirit was weak. And it went on to say the first car you came to had a family inside who waded out through the floodwaters and borrowed a vehicle just to get to you guys for the meal. All they were able to salvage uh, from their home was a pile of clothing, which was still wet in the back seat. And uh, they uh, were uh, on their way to the laundromat in hopes of changing for the first time in days. And you kind of go through this in this particular story I've seen where you talked about another lady that was in her 50s. You asked how she was doing. She started crying. You prayed with her. You went on to the next car. Give us an example. Is that sort of sum it up, what you, what you kind of ran into? 
It was, and it, it the fifth car, I, I just, I was just broken because um, I realized uh, the lady that couldn't speak actually turned out to be a survivor of Hurricane Katrina, and she had to wait out of her home in New Orleans and then had to wait out here in Baton Rouge. And after I prayed for her, she said, you know, I just never thought I'd have to do it again. And, and uh, I didn't just abandon the line. I went and got some pastors and counselors and chaplains that continued down. Um, but, but these folks are just so hurting. And, and we see often that they haven't had or taken the opportunity to fully consider what's happened to them and, until you ask. And then they just kind of release, and this this flood of emotion comes over them as 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 they think about what they've just been through. It's very humbling. Um, so often, I think people say, "Oh, there's been a flood down south," or they may say it was in Louisiana, or it was Baton Rouge, or we we, we say a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand homes damaged. But disasters are about the individuals and the individual stories. And for me, just to get talk and pray with five people, five stories, and be overwhelmed, I, I just can't get my head around what every one of the folks down here is going through. And that's what the disasters are about. They're about the individual people that have lost everything. You're part chef, part minister. I mean, you're you're doing a ministry as well, really. And I, I didn't know that when I first seen your story. I mean, I seen the Mercy Chefs, and I I got the chef part of it with the kitchen and you, the fact that you get and you you mobilize in these disaster areas to bring more quality food. But you really it is a ministry, isn't it? Almost, huh? Well, it has to be a God call. I mean, honestly, what we do is too hard to do in the natural. You, you asked me about a typical day. We're up and on site by 4 or 5 in the morning, and we're not finished and gone until 9 at night. That is, and, and the kitchens have been tagging at 120, 121 degrees here in Baton Rouge. And it's just too hard to do that in the natural. There's wow. no earthly way that somebody would be drawn to do that. It has to be a God call, and it has to be ministry. There's just no way to do it otherwise. Wow. I mean, that's it's a profound, just absolutely profound. Uh, what are some of the sort of meals you uh, – give us a description of what you're doing in Louisiana. What are, What's some of the average meals you make for folks? Well, I think it's taking some time with the food and, and trying to show love and respect. Um, it's that opportunity to create dignity by serving somebody a proper meal. I mean, we do eggs and sausage at breakfast with fresh fruit and cinnamon rolls or handmade biscuits. We, um, we do wonderful lunches. Dinner the other night, we did smoked roasted pork loin with mashed potatoes and fresh vegetables. We, we see all the time the need. Folks just want fresh vegetables. And that's something that you don't see in a disaster zone. And then to do a cherry cobbler or an apple crisp for dessert. I mean, it really does mean a lot to the people that we're serving. And we're very fortunate that we have the professional chefs that are able to make that kind of food with the ingredients that we have available. Uh, it, it's that handcrafted chef prepared food that really makes an impact now do you yourself pick out the uh, the the menu itself what you're going to make is that something you do or what's your role in all that i mean i imagine you're managing all this or are you actually still mm -hmm. in the chef mode as well 
a little bit of both. They try to keep me out of the kitchen now, so I can run everything else. But I'll write menus. I have a couple of chefs that will write menus. We'll get on site, and after the first day, I'll collaborate with the chefs that are here because they all have their own preferred style or their own signature dishes. And then we also try to tone things to the local community. I mean, we've we've done our jambalayas and our etouffees down here in in, in Louisiana. Um, you know, we've had our andouille sausage and our red beans and rice. So we we want to try and cook comfort food, things that that in some small way may create normalcy for people. So we'll custom tailor menus. We also will cook in a halal manner or in a kosher manner. Obviously, I'm not a halal kitchen or a kosher kitchen, but we're respectful of anybody that's coming to us to be fed. And again, that's an opportunity that we have because of the professional acumen of the chefs that volunteer with us. And all these people, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, do they are they all volunteer in their time or are, they, are, are there any of them that are paid? Uh, we have we have two of our chefs that are actually self-supporting missionaries. They go out and they raise their own support. Other than that, all the chefs that work with us are volunteers. Oh, incredible. Well, God bless. Well, what are the biggest challenges for you to get the job done? What genius is the ability to renew one's emotions in daily experience. It's one of the quotes up at the top there of America Out Loud. You know, America Out Loud is just growing fast, and we really appreciate your support and you being with us on the show today and checking out all the shows back at our site, AmericaOutloud.com. One thing about this site is it changes every day throughout the day. It always brings you the latest news in podcast and radio, in blogging and video, all of it. Now, also, you can get all of this on the app. There's a brand new app we're so excited about. You get it on the App Store, and it's free. It's just easy, easy stuff, just very downloadable. You put it on your phone or your tablet, and it puts it right in the palm of your hand. So it doesn't get any easier than that. Always like to see the latest and without having to go out and find it. So get the app and do us a favor. Tell folks about it. Share it and let folks know about the app. We really appreciate it. We're trying to get right now to a million downloads. So we need to get all your friends and people involved in that. And also, I want to take just a moment and bring to you Organize.com. Now, folks, this is a great site, Organize.com. I ran across this company just a few months back. Sort of reminds me, sort of like a crate and barrel online, but with much lower pricing and really cool stuff. I, I'm looking at their site right now. they got everything from bins and baskets, things to home office, travel gear, uh, shelving, uh, just uh, there's all kinds of things here. They, they got all kinds of furniture, bathroom accessories, everything you can imagine. It's all here. They also offer free shipping site-wide on here. So check them out, organize.com. You'll find a whole lot there as well. And also Truth PR. Check out truthpr.com. If you're looking for some truth in the media, you're looking to maybe have some press releases or create some publicity in your life, this would be the firm to use. Jackie Jones is the proprietor there. TruthPR.com. Find out a whole lot more there, friends. Now, let's get back to the show. What are the biggest challenges for you to get the job done? I, I think probably just the logistics. I mean, to move a kitchen halfway across the country and then set up and go and 
making sure that we're staying fueled in a disaster zone, diesel and propane, and then arranging for grocery deliveries. I mean, 63,000 meals takes about four or five tractor trailer trucks worth of groceries. And so we've got to make sure that we keep our supply lines open. Lodging here in Baton Rouge has been a challenge for us. I mean, with so many people displaced, all the hotels are full. Um, all the apartments are rented. Um, it's, it's really, with so many displaced people, lodging has become an issue. So we, we work through all of those. We always find a way. God always makes a way, and we get through it. But the, the logistics of creating a high-volume banquet kitchen in a remote area is very, very challenging. So we build our equipment purposely for that. Our kitchens are fully independent and self-contained with onboard power and propane. We travel with water purification units, so even in boil-only areas, we have fresh, clean, potable water to work with. And uh, we find the challenges, and then we work hard to overcome them. So in an area like Louisiana, in a disaster like this, are you working out of one kitchen or you have many, Gary? We, we have three kitchens total. I have two of them here in Baton Rouge right now. And okay. so we've been working out of two kitchens. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I, I thought maybe there was more than one or so. Uh, so do you ever get any government support for any of the work you're doing? No, we have we, no government, state or federal, um, return to us. One, one of the, the things we know that taking um, government support, it really limits our ability to, to talk about our faith. And we don't prophetize. We're not here to preach. That's not our mission. Our mission is to serve people. But at the same time, I don't want to be in a position where I, I can't say Jesus or I feel uncomfortable sharing my faith with somebody. Has that ever been a problem? Um, we've, we've, we've been asked not to share our faith on site before, and we've not stayed on that site. Um, uh, a lot, lot of the federal agencies, a lot of the other disaster agencies are very very secular in their in their nature and they have reasons for that and i respect their reasons but they need to respect i'm not going to work there if that's the case wow hey i i I had wondered about that and uh but i like the way you said well then where you take that as a sign that you're maybe not welcome there or should be there maybe if that happens and so you you we really prefer we really prefer to find a local church and work through a local church because I think we have the opportunity to help them in that disaster become the center of community. And I think that's a much better obligation for us to chase than just uh, being in a generic parking lot serving under a generic banner and um, not not creating that sense of community within the body of Christ. When you see a disaster such as this one in Louisiana and many of the others that you had seen and experienced yourself, Gary, uh, are you ever surprised that in your mind now that officials don't do more? Or, you know, what I'm asking is, should disaster relief be scrutinized more moving forward? I mean, are you puzzled sometimes by the impact of all this or why it doesn't seem to happen or get fixed a little quicker, sooner, faster, or more efficiently? Or am I out of bounds? No, I I have a couple observations on that. And again, this is just based on what I've seen in my 10 years. Uh, we're we're a very nimble organization, and we're very flexible. So we usually arrive within 24 to 36 hours following the disaster. Under 24 is my goal. 
and and so we're able to get in and go fast. Big organizations, big government agencies take days, sometimes weeks, to sort of get their wheels turning and get fully engaged. So I'm glad there are folks like us. We we say there are sprinters and marathoners in the disaster relief. Um, arena. And we're a sprinter. We don't stay for months and months, but we get in quick. We make a huge difference. And then we get out of the way as the larger groups come in and start to exercise their influence or their congressional mandate. The other thing I would say about this, and I hear this over and over and over from people in disaster areas, if it wasn't for the faith-based community, they wouldn't have gotten through. And they say that the faith-based community gets there first, they do the most, and they stay the longest. And, and you cannot rely on the government to take care of you in a disaster. You just can't because it won't happen. And that's where I believe the faith-based community has an obligation. You know, it says we're to love our neighbor. We're supposed to take care of the widows and the orphans. It says we should turn our face to the least of these. And um, that's, that's what I feel is, is, is my job. That's my call. You know, when you started this in 2006, and from a lot of the background I've read, you really didn't know what you were uh, up for, that where this thing was going to take you. Uh, I see the history of this uh, sort of started after the um, Hurricane Katrina uh, aftermath. And I, I read in some of the background on this, Gary, that you were uh, really turned off by the quality of a lot of the meals and the things and the way that, you know, some folks were, um, it was all being perceived and maybe how they were treated or the quality of the food. And so there was a sort of a drive-in mechanism in you. Bring us back to that point. I think it's really important and we would be amiss. Uh, to not know the origins of this uh, fantastic organization that you have created and led uh, by the sake of God, with uh, with God's vision here, as you say, uh, Mercy uh, Chefs. Uh, Bring us back to that point. Well, I came up in the hotel restaurant industry in New Orleans. I spent 20 years there in some of the finest restaurants and hotels. My family's from New Orleans. I had Cajun grandmothers and New Orleans grandmothers that cooked for people. And I was living in Virginia when Katrina struck. I had family and friends directly affected. We we lost family and friends in the storm. My daughter lost a home. It was very personal. And I knew I needed to do something to make a difference. So I did the only thing I knew to do, and that was go cook. That's what I saw my grandmothers do my whole life in a tragedy or a celebration. And I went down and volunteered with the other agencies. I mean, texting $10 and feeling good about myself wasn't an option. So I went and worked. And I was really appalled. There was no sanitation. There was no food safety. There weren't kitchen practices. The food was produced with absolutely no passion or creativity. And I just thought there was a better way to do it. That didn't settle in, in me that it was okay just to push food out. Now, there are times that you just have to push food out. Please don't misunderstand me. But I I know that there has to be a better way to do it, especially if you're going to do it in the name of the Lord. So I got home, and with a great deal of frustration, I sort of wrestled with the Lord for about nine months. It's, It's funny, the exact time it takes to birth a baby. And then God one day just spoke to me and said, go feed people just go feed people. 
Well, out of obedience, I founded Mercy Chefs, not having any clue what it would do. And, you know, now 10 years later, we're a million, 200,000 people fed and continuing to go forward. How many people do uh, volunteer and work for the organization, roughly? Well, we have a core group of about 10 or 12 chefs. And then we have another group, uh, satellite chefs, chefs just outside of that inner circle of about 24. So that's our group of professional chefs. And then we use local volunteers as much as we can. We believe we can be a force multiplier. You know, three or four of my chefs and 10, 15 local volunteers. I've, I've got a full kitchen crew that way. Now, your work has gone beyond the United States as well. Uh, I've read some of your backdrop uh, about Haiti following the 2010 earthquake. That, uh, and you, you, uh, you even went further in Haiti. You, it says, I uh, read up somewhere, you built a permanent kitchen and trained the staff and all. Uh, that must have been an experience, Gary. Well, it was. I, Haiti was just very familiar to me, seeing the images on TV. It really did take me back to uh, the wide-scale disaster of Katrina. And so we went to Haiti um, and partnered with a couple of organizations, and we uh, built a permanent kitchen, um, and we've since built a second permanent kitchen. And these are in bases that will house American volunteer teams. Uh, We hired and trained Haitian ladies to cook, and now these American teams, as they continue to come, support the kitchen operations. So it's been a fire and forget sort of thing. It took us a year or two to get it up and running, but now it's hands off and it's self-sustaining. Each one of those kitchens also feeds a orphanage or a hospital or a school. Um, so they're, they're doing a lot of good down there. And it's, it's nice for us to establish something that then can continue to run independently. That's just been a huge blessing. We've done the same thing down in McAllen, Texas, right on the border. Uh, with a, a Spanish-speaking church down there that is um, uh, not advocating anything else, but um, they, they are taking care of the single mothers or the mothers with children that have come across the border as opposed to putting them in a processing center. Yeah, I mean, that, that's incredible. You also did, uh, there was a typhoon in the Philippines. You were involved in that project as well, yeah? Yeah, we sent a chef over there with water purification units, and he was able after three days of nonstop travel to get from Los Angeles to the, the heart of where the, the typhoon came on shore in um, Samar uh, in the Philippines, one of the most remote islands. Uh, we've also put some water purification units in Nepal and something we don't talk about a lot, but I'll, I'll mention it here where I don't mention it other places. We've also sent water purification units to Iraq and Syria and Jordan um, during the Christian refugee crisis over there. Well, I mean, listen, uh, you and I both agree that people are people and humanity is humanity. And no matter what uh, the origin or the stripe or the background or the color, I mean, I get the sense you think the same way I think that all people should be uh, have the uh, respect and uh, deserve that respect and honor. Yeah. Even in the border crisis, I still have my own thoughts about what what is appropriate there. But once somebody's here, they should be treated like a human and not run through a processing center where they're treated like cattle. Um, It's just it's not a humane way to treat people. And then 
somebody smarter than me has to figure out what to do with a Guatemalan lady that's just walked across Mexico for the hope of a better life. Um, I just am going to worry about making sure she's well-fed and cared for during the time she is here. How can folks help Mercy Chefs? How can they help you, Gary, with the work you're doing? And how can they help Mercy Chefs? First thing I ask people to do is just please remember us in prayer. We can feel that we are being covered by the body when, when folks pray for us. This, this, is, this can be very hard sometimes. And then we ask people that if they have a, a passion or an ability or a skill to come volunteer with us. We, we, we do run on the backs of volunteers. And then if somebody is able to or wants to, we appreciate the resources that we need to be able to continue to go. And so folks can support us by prayer, by volunteering, or by giving to Mercy Chefs. And they're able to find out more about that on our website. Yeah, you have a great website. I was uh, on it here the last uh, couple of days here, mercychefs.com. It's very well done, and it really tells the story very succinct, uh, but gives a good feeling about the work you're doing, the stories that have been said about you. One of the things I so respect, and I'm such a fan of yours, uh, uh, Gary, for the work you're doing, is that um, you live by the creed of that every detail matters. I can sense you as a person and that you believe that every detail matters, uh, the quality of the moment, the quality of the relationship, the quality of the food, uh, the work that's involved here. Uh, and I, I see that about you, that that is uh, most important. And I think people can take lessons from this, Gary, because this is what I think we all need to do at every juncture of our life is to get down to the details and execute those details so well because it matters in everything you do, everything you touch, the way you serve people, the way you relate to people. And that is something that I am so... um, I'm, I'm so blown away and honored that you're, you're one of the few, but I, it's, it, those are my principles. That, that's how I stand, and that's, that's how I feel in my life. And uh, Is that a fear uh, assessment to say about yourself? It absolutely is. I think any endeavor that's done with, from a Christian perspective, whether you're a Christian carpenter or a Christian butcher or you're in Christian missions, you, you should be the best there is at that craft. Because you're doing it for the Lord, you're doing it in His name, and to be second rate or not not the first to the disaster just isn't acceptable to me. Um, we 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 endeavor to be the finest feeder in the area. Um, we we nobody does better food than us, and and that's purposefully. And I I just think if you're going to dedicate yourself to serving the Lord, you need to do it completely and passionately and with all your ability. It, It should be done excellently. So, you know, my friends, you can see why I wanted to speak to uh, Chef Gary LeBlanc today and how it, his story just uh, moves me. I, I believe it probably moves you at this point, too, in hearing uh, Chef Gary talk about all this and his, his love for humanity, his love for people. Uh, as he says, it all starts with a meal, uh, being comforted at that moment. And isn't that the case, my friends? But not just any meal. It's a meal of love and caring and with the deep 
details that he has uh, spoke about here. I find it a very unique story, and I hope you'll all go to mercychefs.com and really take a look at what Chef Gary LeBlanc is doing, what his team is doing, what the other chefs out there, the people that, as he said, are in 120-some-odd degree weather at some times, uh, in very hostile uh, uh, you know, environments, and yet they're still producing for the love of people and for the love of humanity. And my friends, it doesn't get any better than that. Well, look, I'm going to tell you, all I've ever asked the Lord is two things. Is let me hear you clearly. And then give me the courage to obey. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just listening to God and obeying. It's really, it's not that big a deal.